Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master, along with Corey Johnson, we're live from the Harvard Innovation Labs here uh, in Boston. Um, coming up... One of our TV producers, Charlotte Howard, did a piece on this next company, Vaxis, and she was explaining it to me. It's a new type of vaccine, next generation, if you will, Corey, and we're going to get the details in just a moment. But first, let's get the very latest in business news headlines from Charlie Pellet. Charlie? All right. Thank you very much, Corey Johnson. want to begin with a change in the executive suite at U.S. Steel. U.S. Steel Corp. CEO Mario Longhi stepping down from his post today, less than two weeks after the company suffered its steepest stock decline since at least 1991 after reporting disappointing earnings. Speaking of disappointing earnings, snap shares, they are trading lower by just about 20% right now. Snap shares plunging after trailing estimates for new users and sales. Abercrombie and Fitch rallied the most in more than two months today after at least two rivals were said to be discussing a takeover of the ailing chain. Express and American Eagle Outfitters are both in merger talks with Abercrombie and Fitch. According to a person familiar with the situation, Abercrombie and Fitch shares up today by 12.2%. Another record for both the S&P 500 index and the Nasdaq Composite Index, while the Dow declined. S&P up two points to 2399, up one-tenth of one percent. Nasdaq up eight, also up one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 32, a drop of two-tenths of one percent. And this update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Gold, uh, higher today by 290 the ounce to 1219, up two-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude up three percent, 47.35 a barrel. Recapping, a record for the S&P 500 index up two to 23.99, up one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg. Business flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Bloomer Markets is brought to you by National Realty Manager of New York City Cash Flow Real Estate, providing you 10 to 16% annualized returns with immediate monthly distributions. See them at NRIA.net. Well, this next guest and this next company is developing a new kind of vaccine, vaccine a new, really next generation, if you will, and it has to do with... Um, Biomaterial, doesn't it? Let's bring in our next guest. He's Michael Schrader. He's the CEO at Vaxess, uh, joining us here live at the Harvard Innovation Labs. Welcome to Bloomberg Radio. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Our Bloomberg TV uh, producer, Charlotte Howard, she goes, oh, my God, you're going to have the coolest uh, person on. I did a piece uh, on this company, and she started explaining to me about the threads and the needle. Tell us what you guys are doing. So at a very high level, our goal is to get better vaccines to more people around the world. And we actually do that by taking a protein out of silk, the same silk we think of in the textile industry, and we use it to make this very cool microneedle patch for delivering vaccines into the patient's skin. Uh, allows us to eliminate the needle and syringe uh, and also deliver products that are shelf-stable, can be shipped alongside a two-liter of Coca-Cola to the farthest reaches of the world, as opposed to in the refrigerator. So great for emerging markets. Hit the nail on the head, but yeah. it's also a huge issue here in the U.S. as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it strikes me that in, in, place, in the undeveloped world where, where so many people are without power, uh, that it's just, just the notion of transporting something that's refrigerated is just not conceivable. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And there's some creative solutions out there. We've seen pictures of solar-powered refrigerators on the backs of camels. Uh, uh, we've seen some very, very expensive coolers, but it really is a huge challenge. So eliminating the need for refrigeration is, a, is, is we think, a huge milestone. In that. So it's out there being used or not yet? So still under development. Okay. Uh, we've got a number of partnerships underway as well as support from the Gates Foundation to apply this to a number of different products. Bill and Melinda so Gates. That's exactly right. So they've been wonderful supporters of the, the technology and the work. That's going to be an interesting challenge for you as a business person trying to launch a business wondering if you want to get money as a venture investor or you want to get money from uh, from charities like the Gates Foundation. Yeah, you know, we're lucky. Uh, you hear the term double bottom line drop from the start. We truly are a double bottom line business, meaning when I we actually deliver- don't hear it that much. Ah, okay. Please. So, so in the world of social entrepreneurship, you really want to deliver products that can both deliver a return to your shareholders as well as do uh, you know good do for good. those end, end customers and patients. Do you see this replacing the way we've all gotten vaccines over the past how many decades? I think that's the long-term goal. Uh, and again, the goal here is, is really lowering the barriers to getting more vaccines to more people. And that's certainly applicable here in the U.S. as well. Michael, is it cheaper? Less uh, expensive? So it really depends on how you measure that. So our patch will be a little bit more expensive than a traditional vaccine. But if you think of the total costs of maintaining these products in the cold chain, uh, the needle syringe, all the other equipment that goes into a traditional vaccine, and the one other... Uh, aspect we're working on is we think we can actually take a, let's take a vaccine like the polio uh, vaccine currently takes three separate injections. We think we can take that down to two patches so we can lower the total system costs, cut out one of those times the doctor actually administering. What's holding you guys back right now? Yeah, so the beauty of the vaccine space is it is heavily regulated. These products have to go through incredibly challenging safety protocols to get to market. So we're working on building out that safety data set uh, to convince the FDA that this is in fact safe to take forward. Are there certain kinds of vaccines where it's just not possible? I would imagine that the this, this is refrigeration issue. Uh, it, it, it exists for a reason. There are certain compounds that just aren't stable at, at, at room temperature, yeah, so we let alone changing temperatures. It, it, it's a great question. So we haven't yet run into products for which That's the technology doesn't work. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, 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 our focus really at this point are the vaccines where the, the need is the greatest. And these are global products like the polio vaccine, like the measles vaccine, uh, like products like the pneumo and rotavirus vaccines that are aiming to get to every corner of the world. We think that's the sweet spot. That we're so targeting. why were they refrigerated in the first place? So vaccines you could think of is, is very similar to milk. Uh, I mean, these are essentially organically derived products. If you leave them out, they spoil the same way milk does. So essentially what we're doing is taking this milk and we're, we're powderizing it. If you can think of powdered milk can sit in the cabinet for months on end as opposed to milk right. in liquid format, we're doing something very similar for vaccines. What do you think of the anti-vax movement? Yeah, you know, I, the the only thing I'll say is I am not a career vaccinologist. I moved into this field, and I have been blown away at the amount of data that is required to take a new vaccine to market. Um, the safety data package is, is overwhelming. I think it's probably more rigorously vetted than any other single product that goes to market. I have a lot of faith in that process and the science that, that underlies these products. So I think ultimately from that perspective, these products are, are, are safe and are well vetted and, and honestly pretty well understood. Did you guys come out of the Harvard Innovation Yeah, so we did. So interesting evolution. We actually came out of a Harvard class in 2011. We were the second or third company in the Harvard Innovation Lab, moved out for a couple years. When Harvard opened the Life Lab next door and put actually a a lab facility, we were eager to move back in. What is it like working in this environment? 
Yeah, so the great thing is, is, is startups can A, be a little bit lonely. Uh, a lot of times you don't have a big team, so to be able to be part of something bigger is, is fantastic. The second part we love is, is startups are always going to be short some skill set, right? Mm-hmm. There's just no way. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 12 person teams. Um, so to be able to basically bond together and, you know, our team has strength in kind of legal patent protection as an example. We support other programs, other companies in that area. They lean scientific expertise experience or scientific expertise to us in areas where we may not, uh, have it on staff. Do you uh, are you, do you find that you've got all the tools you need in terms of access to um, uh, uh, funding opportunities? You mentioned legal, um, the, all all the things that the, that the startups ecosystem needs. Just about fifteen ten seconds here. Yeah, so the Boston's great for that, and we've got mentors, we've got advisors, and there's this amazing pay it forward. Uh, I think feeling amongst other entrepreneurs, we're supportive, particularly in the life sciences. You definitely feel it in this area, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you guys very much. Good luck with everything, Michael Schrader. He's chief executive officer of Access, based in Boston, on site at the Harvard Innovation Labs right here on Bloomberg Radio. This is the very latest in business news. Headlines from Nathan Hager and our NNM1 studios in our nation's capital. Well, Corey, as if Washington, D.C. weren't divided enough already, the firing of FBI Director James Comey is fueling even more partisanship. This was the right decision at the right time. Was this done because of the Russian investigation? If it were the Clinton emails... That could have happened long ago. Vice President Mike Pence, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein with the diverging views. Democrats are renewing their calls for a special prosecutor to lead the Russia investigation. Senate Intelligence Chair Richard Burr says there is no need for that still. The timing and the, the, the reasons for this decision uh, did made little sense to me. And uh, I don't think I've heard anything since last night that would clarify that in any way. Burr plans to call former director Comey before his committee behind closed doors next week. The Trump administration's moving forward on seismic surveys in the Atlantic Ocean. This is the first step toward offshore drilling in a region where it's been blocked for decades. The Interior Department says it's reviewing six applications from energy companies that the Obama administration had rejected. Environmental groups and many East Coast lawmakers say loud noises from seismic air guns that are used in these surveys could hurt marine life. And the White House says President Trump has congratulated South Korean President Moon Jae-in for his victory this week and has invited him to the White House at an early date. Moon's victory ends nine years of conservative rule in Seoul. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg.